Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Binance Podcast. My name is Weijo. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Binance. So, what I want to do with this show is to spend time talking to specialists, entrepreneurs, scholars, influencers, basically leading people from a variety of industries. Hopefully, through these conversations, we can share insights on how blockchain is changing not just these different industries, but also in changing the world. Here's a quick disclaimer: all opinions expressed by our host and our guests on this podcast are merely their own opinions. They do not imply any endorsements or opinions of their companies. You should not take these opinions as specific investment advice, as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Hey, everybody! Welcome to another edition of the Binance Podcast. I'm very happy here to have、uh, Kyle Samani, who is a co-founder of MultiCoin Capital, crypto、uh, investment fund based out of the U.S.、Uh, Kyle,、uh, welcome to the Binance Podcast. Wait, happy to be here. Thank you so much for hosting me.、Um, before we get started to talk about MultiCoin, what do you guys think of the crypto world? What do you guys think of Binance and、uh, and your investment thesis on BNB?、Um, can you tell us a little bit about your personal crypto story? Like, how did you get into Bitcoin, and then、uh, how long you've been looking at it? What your、uh, sort of current status、uh, in terms of your crypto maturity right now? Yeah, way ha- happy to share my story. So I'd heard of Bitcoin, you know, probably twenty twelve or twenty thirteen.、Um, I've always been passionate about technology, and so heard about it at that time.、Um, I was not particularly interested in Bitcoin then. I was not a particularly strong libertarian. I didn't have any st- strong interest in monetary economics. And so Bitcoin just kind of seemed like a fad to me. I got into Ethereum in 2016, and what drew me into Ethereum was my experiences at my prior company. In May of 2013, I launched a company called Pristine, and Pristine built software for Google Glass for surgeons. This was actually one of the few use cases for Google Glass that made sense. Most of the use cases didn't make any sense,、uh, and I grew that business to a few million, few million in revenue, raised venture capital. Um, overall, I was doing really well as a young entrepreneur, and then Google killed Google Glass platform. And when that happened, that effectively ended my business.、Um, and so, you know, after that happened, I ended up kind of pivoting the company, and ultimately, the company was acquired.、Um, and so, going through that experience over the course of 2014 and 2015,、uh, I understood in a very real way what it means to depend on a third party, and then what then when that third party changes their mind about what they're doing. You know, it just has these downstream implications. So I understood platformers in a very real way. I think before most, probably most other people came to accept it that that that's a really bad form of risk. So in early 2016, I was trying to figure out what I'm, what am I going to do next with my life,、um, and I discovered Ethereum, and I was really drawn to Ethereum for two reasons. The first was I realized that the power of this open decentralized development platform, and the second was I realized the power of smart contracts. It occurred to me that that a smart contract that, that every financial institution in the world is really just a smart contract with some people on top of it, and when that kind of clicked, I realized the the kind of smart contracts is a big idea. And so as I started to get into Ethereum, then I said, okay, well, I should probably go learn about Bitcoin.、Um, and so kind of then dove in the history of Bitcoin, and then from there into kind of the other、uh, protocols that were around at the time. So that's kind of how I got into crypto.、Um, I spent the first year, basically 2016, into the early part of 17. Just learning on my own, reading,、um, and increasingly spending more and more of my time in the space.、Uh, by spring of 2017, I realized I wanted to work in the space professionally, 
And so Tushar and I made the decision in May of 2017 to launch Multicoin. How did you meet Tushar? And what's your, because I think he's your better half. <laughs> how, how, did you guys, how did you guys get synced up? Yeah, so Tushar and I are best friends and we've known each other for 11 or 12 years now. We met at, uh, at NYU studying in school. Uh, we both studied at NYU. We were both studying finance there. Uh, we met freshman year of college. Um, and so we've known each other for a long, long time. We've been passionate about uh, technology and finance and the intersection of the two basically since the start of our friendship. And so uh, when the opportunity became, you know, presented itself to be professional investors in a space that's at the intersection of politics and game theory and, and finance and, ga- and, te- and technology, it was just a no-brainer to jump in together. Oh, it's really cool. So it seems like you guys uh, work quite well together, given sort of your uh, personal friendship over the years. And and when you started um, uh, Multicoin, what were your sort of like core focuses? Did you have any sort of like, you know, specific things you wanted to look at um, in particular? Like, um, for example, um, any investment thesis or any sort of like specific, um, you know, because I know like, you know, back then it was like a, a lot of the uh, initially, I think there's a lot of, uh, uh, interest, I think, in public chains, and then it, which has evolved into staking, and then now and then exchange tokens. I think there's just sort of like different things have come along the way over the last couple of years. Yeah. So, um, so some things that are in our views have changed and evolved, and other things haven't. So well, the things that really haven't changed very much are kind of like our our major investment theses. And so we published our our we actually formally publicized formally kind of structured this and wrote it down earlier this year um, and published it in April in, a, in an essay on our website called Crypto Mega Theses. And those theses are one, open finance, two, web three, and three, the opportunity for a global state free money or you know, something like digital gold. Um, even back in 2017, before open finance or, or what was really around, uh, we, we had inclinations that there were going to be a lot of implications for the financial system using smart contracts. That's kind of one of the main reasons I got into crypto. So, so we, those were kind of the broad areas we, we were thinking about, and we, we recognized pretty obviously this technology will be impactful. Um, it took us a little while to, I think, really formalize those theses, have good examples, show progress, um, and substantiate them. But that, that, that really hasn't changed. Um, what has changed is you know, liquidity in the market, the types of players in the market, um, the maturity of different protocols, and then how we kind of express those views in our portfolio, both long and short. Um, and, and so that's just been kind of a natural evolution of the market. Um, but, but really, we, we continue to invest in the same core theses that we, that we started with two years ago. Um, and we don't expect those to change at all um, over the next five years. How big is your fund today? Um, so we don't disclose exact numbers and figures, but gotcha. um, it's, now greater, it's now larger than 100 million. In my previous job, I interacted a lot with investors. But ever since I joined Binance, I haven't had to. I haven't had to raise money. We've actually been doing a lot of work on deploying capital. So for me, there's, I, I would say there are probably like, you know, typical to the uh, traditional financial world, there's primary funds that invest, I think, in more private rounds. And then there's sort of the secondary funds that trade in the secondary market. I would say you guys do both the primary and the secondary markets. That, that's correct. So Multicoin today manages two funds. Uh, we manage a hedge fund and the venture fund. So the venture fund invests in the primary early stage stuff, both equity and tokens. And then our hedge fund invests in the secondary markets uh, where we'll go long and short. We'll use derivatives. We can engage in all kinds of unique structures um, to express our theses. 
we get to the next big part of our conversation, which is basically your current uh, reports on the exchanges. Because I think one of the major investment theses that you guys have had uh, has been basically been uh, quite bullish on Binance's own BNB, uh, or, or rather our Binance's native token, which is BNB. And we would love to sort of hear your history in terms of covering it and looking at it. And then maybe even understand some of the investment investment theses that you guys have at. Because I think the piece that you guys put together uh, regarding sort of the future through sort of finance and then is actually quite, uh, you know, when we looked at, at least when I looked at it, I was like, oh, wow, this actually lays out a pretty clear strategic uh, roadmap for, 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 for me being an executive here at Binance. Yeah, happy to kind of dive into the Binance and our exchange token thesis. Um, I think before I actually answer that directly, one thing I'd, I'd like to touch on is, is why we even publish these reports at all and why, why we write. You know, our, our, our job fundamentally is to, to make investment decisions. And, and the goal is ultimately, you know, we, our kind of job is to try and see the truth and see the future before the rest of the market. And so we have to always be really, really intellectually honest with ourselves about what's working, what's not working, uh, and those kinds of things. And so one of our kind of key requirements, one of our kind of key cultural attributes of the firm is we have a very, very strong bias for writing. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain we probably produce more kind of internal investment memos, notes, and, and thoughts um, than just about all of our peers. We open up most of our meetings where employees spend the first five minutes of every meeting reading um, the investment presented by whoever's kind of leading the, the dialogue on, on a particular subject. Um, our, our, folk, our point in writing is that it really forces you to be crystal clear with your thought processes. It forces, it forces you to debug your own thought processes, and it provides a really open mer um, meritocratic forum for the rest of the, of the team to think about the ideas and pick apart the ideas. So that, that's why we, we kind of write internally, and then we, we realize that ultimately if we're going to do this internally, um, we, you know, this market just is so structurally inefficient, and so we might as well publish it and share our thoughts externally. So that's kind of that's kind of the, the why and how we've become such prolific, um, you know, producers of research in the space. In terms of, of of Binance, we have had a really fascinating journey thinking about Binance, BNB, and exchanges more generally. So, if I recall, the the BNB uh, ICO was in uh, July of 2017. At the time, the Multicoin Fund wasn't yet live. We were actually fundraising to to launch, but the fund wasn't live yet. So I had my personal capital invested in the space, and I can tell you, as uh, as, a, as a you know at that point a, a more or less two man team in the U.S., um, I was like, it's a Chinese you know new Chinese exchange launching this weird token. At the time, there was nothing like BNB. I was like, this is crazy. I'm not going to touch this thing. And I remember for the first probably six months, we didn't touch finance at all um, as investors or with the exchange, with the funds capital, with BNB. We had a really strong U.S. bias, and, and that's evolved over time, and we're becoming much more global of a firm now. But at the time, we, we just had a very, very U.S. bias, and so um, we, we actually didn't didn't touch Binance. And it wasn't until Binance had really established itself firmly, probably nine months or so, as is really the leading dominant exchange of the world, that we said, okay, this this organization really is compelling. These people are really executing. Um, we should we need to start to dig in and understand this because it, it started to become clear in 2018. That Binance was, was going was gonna to become one of the most important you know, institutions in the space. And I would say today, Binance is the most important institution. So we were actually pretty slow at figuring that out um, in, in, the, in the, probably the first year of Binance's existence. I, I recall that during the latter part of 2018, uh, sorry, so in September of 2018, 
Tushar, um, my co-founder, was in Singapore at an event and had a chance to meet CZ. Um, and he came back to Austin and just expressed how impressed he was with, with CZ and the vision and the execution and finance. And he said, hey, we should probably start to look into to BNB as a potential investment. And so over the, over the next kind of few months, um, in the last part of the 2018, we started to really dig into BNB, looking at everything we could about the business in terms of the volumes, the histories, you know, the team started to piece together the strategy, started to look at, you know, what we thought kind of look, put together some valuation metrics around how to think about valuing BNB. And it, it became very clear to us that BNB seemed to be pretty undervalued. We had kind of a, a last list of questions, you know, that we, we had kind of developed in that time. Um, and then, you know, Binance announced that it was going to host Blockchain Week in Singapore early this year in January of 2019. Um, and I was fortunate to be invited to come speak at the event. And so I flew out to Singapore and, you know, part of my, my goal there was to really just meet as many of the uh, people on the Binance team as possible all over the company. Um, I probably spoke to 20 or 30 different Binance employees um, just to understand, you know, how the company works and operates. And um, the single most compelling thing that I learned, I remember in that trip that we did not expect to learn was just, you know, we asked all the employees, you, you know, do you take your compensation in fiat or Bitcoin or BNB? What do you do? And I was stunned at how much of the employees, you know, took their compensation in BNB. And that to me was a really big signal that the employees believe um, that that is just like these people can choose to get paid in Bitcoin or anything else. And they're choosing to be paid in BNB. And that was the, the thing that just blew us away was just the level of commitment and excitement and passion from the employees. And this was at the bottom of the bear market, January 2019. I mean, everyone thought, you know, crypto was, was dead. And so... That, that to me was like the ultimate signal of, of um, hey, there's something real here. And so we initiated a pretty meaningful position in, in Binance, starting in, in BNB, starting in December of 2018 and, and building that into January of 19. Um, and then we, we published our first research paper on BNB uh, in February of, 20, of 2019. So that's kind of how that, that, that position has evolved. Um, in, in the time since then, we, we've continued to kind of monitor Binance from a distance and, and kind of see how it's grown. And it's become very clear to us that, that Binance's vision is not just to be a crypto exchange, um, but is really to be kind of a next generation uh, financial institution. Um, and, and to do that by leveraging the, the power of, uh, of crypto in terms of accessing people um, and providing speed and low quality and, uh, and high, low cost, high quality services to people all over the world. Uh, again, I think the most of the market today does not still fully appreciate kind of the magnitude of Binance's vision, um, but, but that's starting to become more clear I think Binance announced it was a week or two ago. You know, they're aiming to roll out support for 180 fiat currencies all over the world. And as that as that happens, I think people are going to start to realize more and more um, there's the magnitude of, of Binance's vision. Um, so that's kind of been our, our kind of evolution internally of thinking about the firm. We, we went from being extremely skeptical and thinking, you know, Binance, what is this crazy thing? Uh, all the way to, to, you know, it took us a little while, but but ultimately kind of challenging our own assumptions and realizing, wow, this is a, a really big, big vision. I didn't have a chance to talk to you in Singapore at our conference, but I do remember meeting Tushar at the Cumberland conference. I joined Binance in a late summer in 2018. And then the Cumberland conference was my first, uh, uh, first my dip, tipping of my toes, uh, what is it, dipping my toes into the water of crypto. And I met a lot of really, uh, really, really cool people at that conference. One of them, I think you guys know, is Coley, who's basically the CEO of Binance US today. And then uh, I guess that's when you guys started uh, looking at, at BNB. 
the stories from that conference uh, will be really interesting. That's correct. That that's what really kind of prompted us to start digging into BNB in a re- in a really meaningful way. What would be really interesting because one of the things that you guys talk about uh, in the research piece on BNB is basically uh, the variety of products. Um, I think that Binance has uh, or that we have rolled out over the last you know three months. Right. And then in terms of the blitz scaling, uh, you know, to quote Reid Hoffman, blitz na- uh, uh, scaling nature of the business. And I just give you a little bit of nugget. Uh, that was a mandatory book uh, for everyone uh, working for and with finance uh, in, in the second quarter. So around like April, April, March, uh, after CZ read the book, uh, he basically, basically everyone within the company read that book. And then we basically put that, put that. Uh, into execution uh, from a product perspective over the next two quarters. That is awesome. That is so cool. I actually didn't know that until, so, until just now. Um, yeah. So, so that's, so, that's when you, super so, cool. so, so when you guys mentioned blitz scaling uh, within that, within that uh, research piece, we pretty much all high five each other virtually. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like, and then we're like, NCZ, we trust. Holy shit, this is awesome. <laughs> One of the key things that, that that mentioned is basically how do you execute? How do you put ideas, right? Because I think one of the things is that everyone has ideas of what you're supposed to do. My experience on the team is that we just put our heads down and go out and do it and, uh, and, uh, and try and then fail, but then you iterate and you try again. And, and I think a lot of that is actually what I call the crypt, uh, crypto native culture or mindset. Um, that is very different, I think, from uh, traditional companies and corporate corporate uh, environments. And and it was really cool that you guys pointed that out, and then can uh, and have that part of our, I would say, culture uh, coming through uh, within sort of the way we execute. Yeah, w- one thing that has become clear to us, if, if you look at traditional financial services firms and look at some of the ones, at, at least in the U.S., that are considered really innovative. Companies like Robinhood or SoFi or Betterment, these companies, like because of because of how broken and backward the traditional infrastructure is around financial services, the rate at which these companies can innovate is so slow. I, I'm fairly certain Binance rolled out more new products in Q3 of 2019 than any company in the history of financial services ever has. And this is, you know, Binance being a two-year-old company, and these other companies have been around for tens, if not hundreds of years. And, and th- this just speaks to the fact that, like, this is only possible because of crypto, right? Like, because you have this open, permissionless rails, because moving money around is just a single API call, and you don't have to deal with all these convoluted interlocking systems. Th- like, that is a truly a breakthrough in in kind of, you know, Mark Andreessen has a famous saying: "Software is eating the world." Well, crypto is really the kind of first, the, the ultimate manifestation of that applied to money. And because of that, you know, it enables companies like Binance to just execute in terms of product development at a pace that's never been seen before. And that, that's what makes us so excited and so bullish about Binance in, in the future is because you're, you're quite frankly operating on an unfair playing field. Like traditional companies have to deal with a legacy system. And Binance has to do that a little bit as you kind of continue to grow. But I mean, the substantial majority of Binance's business is is driven off innovation on top of crypto, and, and that development platform just enables you to move ten to hundred times faster than traditional systems. That's actually a really good point in terms of uh, not having rails, and then I think not having rails in terms of the ability, I think, for our products and services not only to be able to reach people, 
but also having users to be able to access that without sort of the uh, a lot of the hindrances that, that they have to deal with, uh, with traditional finance. And that goes to sort of back to sort of, I, mean, I don't want to toot our home, sort of like the freedom of money concept that CZ has been talking about since, since, uh, since I joined the company, actually, since we sort of developed that motto. It's like crypto, for a lot of people that actually come into uh, crypto from finance with my background, uh, in finance is that you actually come in with a lot of like legacy hats that you're wearing. Whereas I think like for CZ, why he's so innovative is that he doesn't come in from like a traditional financial world. So he doesn't have a lot of the hats and uh, shackles <laughs> that people from the financial industry, like, you know, come to the industry with, but he does have an understanding uh, of sort of given his early ventures into Bitcoin does have an understanding of uh, sort of the, the value of, of, of a decentralized system and the value of a decentralized network and also i think more importantly um one of the things that you guys can maybe explore further that maybe we can have our uh guys give you an access to is actually our international community or the building of the community which is uh because i think right now we have what we call a binance angel program that covers you know over 60 countries uh around the world yeah i mean what, what binance has done in terms of community development is we haven't even touched on that too much in, in much of our research but but it's really a, a powerful thing when you you know have a product and a service that, that people love and that you know they become passionate about um that that's a really good sign of, of strong product market fit and ultimately those people will come your evangelists and so it's it's super exciting to me to see these people who are who are this passionate around um the binance brand there's really, I haven't seen anything like it in crypto. Now I'm going to turn the table over uh, the other way uh, in terms of like giving you an opportunity to spend maybe like five or 10 minutes to, you know, to ask any questions uh, for me <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, what you would be interested in as, as a BNB holder or, you know, what your investors would be interested in understanding or what your, what your readers would be interested in understanding you know, uh, in terms of some of the inside color uh, from a, a business strategy growth, you know, focus uh, inside, uh, like an inside picture on Binance. Yeah. So um, one thing that we are, you guys just announced the acquisition of the exchange in India. It'd be awesome if you can add any, any color there. I mean, obviously at a high level, the plan is to make, you know, inroads in India. Um, but if you can add kind of any more detail beyond that, I, I mean, India just is such a good market for crypto. About that. I would love to talk about that because uh, that was my deal. <laughs> oh, perfect. I, just, <laughs> I was, uh, uh, yeah. So we were introduced to Nishal through our angel in India, who is basically a, a, a Binance angel who does a lot of the community work for, uh, for, uh, for, for, for Binance uh, on the ground in India. Uh, and, uh, and sort of the background for India, India up until about two years ago when RBI, uh, the Reserve Bank of India, or the central bank there sort of, banned uh, financial institutions or banks uh, from trading crypto uh, was actually a very active market. Uh, some of the data that I got was actually um, during peak time in 16, uh, 17, India itself was actually doing close to over $300 million a day uh, in terms of like fiat to rupee kind of trading. So the, the potential is definitely there. And, and the second thing is, is that from a macro perspective, uh, cell phone penetration, uh, mobile smartphone penetration, uh, as well as cost of using mobile in India over the last you know, five years, has, uh, and penetration has increased tremendously, usage has increased tremendously, and the cost of usage has come down tremendously. But at the same time, uh, I think banking access uh, in India has actually been very poor. Even you saw sort of the Central Bank of India themselves trying to get rid of cash usage 
or physical or cash usage, you know, although unsuccessfully a couple of years ago. A lot of the macro factors are actually pointing to, you know, extremely favorable conditions for the for the potential growth of uh, of, of cryptocurrency uh, in, in India. That added to sort of like you know a, a highly educated workforce, uh, English speaking, so extremely global. And and in terms of for Binance, we've actually the team uh, one of the IEOs we Matic uh, the team actually came out of India, so they actually been able to plug into sort of uh, quite plugged into sort of uh, whereas. I think for the amount of talent they have, there's actually been a lack of projects, a lack of, um, uh, I would say, uh, definitely been underrepresented uh, in terms of the crypto space, uh, in terms of uh, uh, projects, uh, tokens, and, uh, and entrepreneurs. Mainly uh, has to do with the, the lack of access to crypto, uh, but also um, one of the things that I found out uh, based on my trip there uh, last month is actually a lack of funding. There's a tremendous amount of entrepreneurial energy and a tremendous amount of, uh, of innovation, but there's actually a, a huge, huge uh, lack of funding into these entrepreneurs and then uh, into these uh, innovative projects in India. That's sort of the background. WazirX itself, uh, the company is actually quite young. The company uh, launched their products and services uh, first quarter of 2018. And Nishal, uh, his background is actually, he was a, he's a serial entrepreneur. This is either, I think his the second or third, third uh, project uh, or, or startup, uh, but he has fully embraced crypto. And then, uh, if you if you if you follow him on crypto Twitter, I was joking uh, with CZ when I made the introduction. I was like, he could be the Indian you <laughs> in terms of his passion and uh, in, in terms of his persistence and in terms of his the culture and the uh, and the, and and, uh, and, uh, and sort of the mindset. And then uh, and then yeah, and then uh, we've been talking to them for about a few a few months and then we're happy to sort of you know sign and then uh end the deal um you know uh recently and then was able to announce it uh yesterday got it that's that's super exciting yeah i mean the, the market for crypto in india the, the, i agree that the opportunity just seems so large and compelling so that would be really cool to see um by finance you know start to make some stronger inroads there one of the challenges within sort of like a large populous country, definitely over 1.4 billion people, different dialects and regional differences and religious differences and caste differences. I think India is a much less, I would say, homogenous market versus a country like China, which has a similar population base. But that actually makes uh, crypto as a whole much more dynamic as a future. In one part, the demographics in India is actually much better than China on a macro basis. And a second, I think just traditional financial institutions as a whole, there's no WeChat Pay in India. There's no Alipay in India. So just they haven't, I mean, there's a couple of small uh, payment players that have come out. But just in terms of uh, infrastructure and uh, consumer uh, financial services to consumers is not as uh, developed as China. So I think there's a lot of, op- a lot of potential there. Yeah, that, that's in my observations as well. Um, and and if you can come in and, and kind of circ, you know not deal with the kind of legacy banking infrastructure, it, it presents an opportunity to provide all kinds of amazing financial services to people um, in a way that just wasn't possible before. In terms of WazirX as a whole, they have a, a couple of really cool uh, innovative innovations. The first innovation is actually their matching engine for their P2P order book. Because of the lack of uh, support for crypto from uh, financial institutions, uh, India has developed a probably a one of the biggest you know P2P market uh, in the world. 
and the way YZRX does it, you know, they 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 have a really um, really sweet uh, matching engine and a really sweet sort of like custody, uh, not custody, but sort of like a trustless system for users. And if you look at sort of and uh, and uh, their growth, of, you know, since they launched their services in the first quarter, they saw tremendous growth in the second and third quarter, uh, as well as you know uh, increasing adoption and users for their services. And the second one that the the second innovation that they have is actually the ability. Uh, so there is WZX token. That's not uh, that they basically started trying uh, as a way to uh, incentivize users and then at the same time build a community. So um, so I think those two things have uh, have given them sort of you know really good growth trajectory um, over the last few quarters. And uh, and and from our perspective. It was a no-brainer uh, for us to sort of, you know, to 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 bring the team in under Binance, uh, and then basically have them, and then give them all the resources and more so the know-how, the access to our, uh, you know, to our uh, product and tech and reach, to basically, you know, uh, run that business in India, and then also potentially bring their P2P on-ramp uh, uh, to other regions. That makes a ton of sense. So. You know, Binance today obviously is got you know largely based in China, has, has some exposure in Southeast Asia. Um, you just made a, a big move in, in India. You you guys have announced some stuff in Turkey. What, what's the next kind of major you know geography you guys are thinking about? Latin America or is it somewhere else? What I want to say I was like, Latin America is a key region, but just uh, logistically, it's a little bit challenging for uh, for uh, for language and uh, physical distance, but uh, but. Just sort of from the U.S. down, from Mexico all the way down to Argentina, I think that's like that's a tremendous uh, region. Uh, region, how do you want to put it? A tremendous amount of potential in that region. So I think uh, it's definitely on the roadmap, and we should have something coming out uh, in Latin America over the next, uh, you know, over the next few months. Uh, we do have a very small partner uh, that we've been working with in Argentina, uh, and we've been testing out different things down there. But I think uh, one of the, the key markets uh, that I see is actually still continues to be in uh, in Asia, uh, in terms of North Asia and Korea and Japan, and potential and, and even more so in Southeast Asia. Just given that you have a bunch of countries there that all with over 100 million people, all with a very dynamic young uh, mobile uh, mobile crowd, does a lot of intra region. I would say money flow is is tremendous in Southeast Asia. Because given that different country, they, unlike Europe, where there's a centralized currency, in Southeast Asia, there's actually uh, there's actually uh, different currencies for different countries. So remittance in Southeast Asia, as well as with uh, you know North Asian countries like China, U.S., uh, China, Korea, and Japan, is actually a huge amount of opportunity. So I think that's something that we'll be exploring, especially uh, with the launch of BUSD, which is our own stablecoin. Which has currently been listed. I think it's listed on over thirty plus close. I think close to forty exchanges now. So, so I think with BUSD, um, we actually have something that we can actually pretty aggressively and try to use leverage it in the remittance uh, and payment space. It sounds like Binance is going to start to make kind of a more direct product offerings for kind of types of workflows like remittances. Is that a fair understanding? Two, two things. One, we have product to do that now. Like we have the water and now it's more about building the pipes and building the distribution. Right, right, right. That, that makes perfect sense. Uh, last thing, I'll, I'll just go back to you in terms of like, can you talk a little bit about sort of like what you see uh, as we're coming into the end of 2019, which it seems like has, has gone forever. What are some of the top things you're looking for for 2020? 
the things I'm most excited about kind of over the next year are I think we're going to have lots of little pocket of activity that are, are working, um, you know, beyond just kind of Bitcoin um, and and the exchanges. You, you know, the, I think I, I sense there's a lot of sentiment today. There's just like people are like, oh, everything that's not Bitcoin is dead and it's not working. And uh, that sentiment really pisses me off. I like fundamentally disagree with that. I think there's so much amazing opportunity for this technology beyond just digital gold. Uh, it's been a little slower than than we I expected in terms of kind of people rolling out these new protocols, but they are starting to, to show up and go live in, in meaningful sizes. Our weave has been live for over a year now, and it and it it's growing exponentially. The Helium network went live in Austin a few months ago. It's now live in like 30 or 40 different cities in the U.S. and it's going to roll out to Europe next year, and I think parts of Asia. You know, Live Peer is is doing a aggressive rollout right now. You, you know, uh, Brave just talked about their new de decentralized VPN product um, in a blog post they wrote a few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, that's going to roll out decentralized VPN to millions of users overnight. So we're starting to see these kind of different pockets of activity in crypto appear. They're going to be feel relatively disconnected, I think, at first. But I'm so excited to see these things really work. That way that, you know, we can kind of fight away some of the sentiment of, you know, oh, Bitcoin's the only thing that matters. Because I just like fundamentally disagree with that. Okay, great. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for uh, for listening in to the Binance podcast. And we'd like to thank Kyle Samani again for uh, joining me for this uh, really interactive conversation uh, about uh, Multicoin uh, and about Binance. Hey, Wei, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is great. Uh, very happy to be here. Uh, and so excited about what you guys are doing and, and for the crypto space more broadly in 2020. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview as, as much as I did. If you like this show, please share this episode on Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, WeChat, or any other social media platforms. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Binance podcast and see you next time.